0: you guys, so today I want to talk to you guys about the patience we need with our kids when they're little. And we think that, we think that, you know, at three or four, that three or four, five, even six, that we don't still have to baby-proof the house, but we do, Right? And this is huge. This is huge. I see this a lot in parenting. I either see it, uh, I've done it, I did it with my oldest. I definitely did it with my oldest. And what I noticed was that she developed um emotional disturbances
1: because I failed to the house and then held her accountable for the things that she was going to do as a baby. And when I say baby, I do mean anything below the age of 10 because a child's brain doesn't develop the know-how to look at their consequences before their actions so in essence this is what you call the upstairs brain so their ability to see past their own decision-making, they cannot make decisions. That's part of the upstairs, upstairs brain. And their downstairs brain is what is, um, that's where the reptilian brain is, that's where the amygdala is, that's where the emotional, the limbic system Um, or the middle brain in the three-part brain, right? And their upstairs brain would be the front part of their brains, or all of our brains for that matter. But in terms of children, it's still working on connecting. All of the connections haven't been made yet, and their brains are still developing well into their 20s. That's why we see a lot of young adults making really stupid mistakes or um, our children making really stupid mistakes. One thing that I notice with my, and when I say stupid, I don't mean that they're stupid. I mean that for us as adults well into our 30s, we're like, Really, that's what you decided to do, but it's because that is just only reifying that they're a child and their brains aren't fully developed. For us to expect them to say, you know, okay, well, I'm going to keep myself safe today, <laughs> and I'm not gonna touch those scissors. I don't, I don't need to touch the scissors. It, it might be a little on the unsafe side and I really want to make sure that I stay safe today. That is well beyond their capabilities. And for us to hold them accountable in that sense will only leave us wanting. It'll only leave us in a place where we're leaving our children in unsafe environments. This is where CPS will get involved or an um, Child Protection Services will get involved. Uh, this is where we will hold them to an accountability that they cannot, that they're incapable of being held to. Well, I hold you to a higher standard. No, you can't do that because this is a child. And the fact of the matter is, is that they need their environment to be safe in order for them to grow. Because, for example, right, let's say a toddler, we know, right, it's somehow, for some odd reason, We've been holding children accountable for their actions the minute that they're able to talk. And just because they develop speech does not mean that's just a milestone that they reached. It doesn't mean that their brain is ready to be responsible. And then us saying, oh, you need to be more responsible. That isn't a good, it's not a good idea. Because, see, here's the thing, telling a child that they need to be more responsible, but then not remembering that their upstairs brain, which is their decision-making brain, the part of their brain that helps them make good conscious decisions, they haven't developed that part of the brain they haven't it hasn't connected all of the way all of their I like to call it their tree branches hasn't connected all the way to the rest of their brain and their nervous systems now (coughs) a child sorry guys I have a tickle in my throat a child is said to be under a complete state of, of hypnosis until they are seven years old. And for children to be under this state of hypnosis, what that exactly means to break it down a step further, because right, what does that even mean, right? So there are several different brain wavelengths. Now, there are like for example I think the highest one is beta. Beta is um it's honestly that's going toward more towards stress. And then after below that there's Delta and Delta is the brain waves by which we um learn and study um Anything that requires concentration. And then after delta, I believe is alpha. So here's the thing here are five of the different brain waves that. Are widely recognized that these are the ones that psychologists usually look towards in brain activity. Now, the very, the highest vibrational one is called gamma. Now, gamma is said to be high concentration, right? Then there's beta. Beta is said to be anxious. Active external attention, yet relaxed, right? And then alpha is very relaxed, passive attentive. Theta is deep relaxed and inwardly focused. And delta is sleep. So, That theta wavelength is what psychologists call a state of hypnosis. This is the wavelength that children operate on. Now, theta is the beginning of when we are getting ready to fall asleep. Like when you're laying in your bed and you feel yourself falling asleep, That is the wavelength that children's brains operate on 24-7, which I find it really funny because when I look at gamma and beta, I see that, okay, so think of an EKG machine, right? So the EKG machine is a heart monitor that the wavelengths of the heart, once it pulsates, then. There's a wave on the monitor. And if the heart is pulsating too rapidly, that's not good, right? So then doctors pay attention to that. Medical centers, hospitals pay attention to that. When they have you hooked up to the EKG machine, that's what they're doing, right? Um, They want it to be more on the alpha wave um they don't want you to be flatline <laughs> but they definitely want you to be more relaxed and so the gamma and the beta is where people usually study work and this is not good for the brain but i have to get i have to get into that in another show just keeping with what we're talking about with the children and what's going on in their minds. It's not fair for us to look at a child and be like, are you paying attention? Not really. Not really. Because the theta wavelength is inwardly focused and they're deeply relaxed. They're not worried about what you're worried about. They're not worried about they need to hurry up and get to cheerleading. They're not worried about how they need to hurry up and get dressed because mommy has to be to work. As a matter of fact, they have no concept of time. And this is the part where they're innocent. And they're innocent because they haven't bitten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that tree of knowledge of good and evil. That is the conscious mind. They're not conscious right now. They're not conscious right now. They're still, this is why they heavily rely on needing you. You, as mom, you're God. And we have to do everything to try to keep them safe in whatever way that we can. That is including keeping them safe from our own conscious mind. Because if we have to return and be like a child in order to make it into heaven, then wouldn't it mean that operating under under alpha and theta wavelengths is where we need to be? He is the alpha and the omega. And that alpha is the wavelength. And then omega is the ECG machine. The ECG machine is the one who, uh, that picks up the wavelengths of the body. That's why the Bible says that in the end days, my people will not endure sound doctrine. I've seen some translations say discipline, but that's not what that word is meaning. The word sound is exactly what it's trying to say, sound. And that's because we are son- sonoluminescent beings. And the only thing that creates light is sound. We're not able to create light within our own bodies without the sound. And the way that we're able to do that, stay tuned for the next show because that's going to be on the next show. I, I can't jump there, guys. But for the, for children, For children, it's really important that we're kind to them. That when we're, instead of, if we know that this child is operating completely under a theta wavelength, then, and even if they're older, they may be operating on an alpha wavelength. But making sure that we get up in the morning and we get dressed, Right? And do everything we need to do to get ready. Like, there's no, our children cannot handle us getting ready with them. This is going to have to be part of you trying to parent better. And I'm telling you guys, because this is not, you know, This is from, (coughs) if you've known me, if you've been listening to me for a while, you know my story. This is from a parent that made her firstborn absolutely mentally ill of how rough I was, of how ignorant I was to the delicacy of a child. Uh, of the way that they just aren't able to respond the way that we respond. And expecting too much from them can only make them sick. Can and will. With no questions asked. It will make them sick. I made my oldest daughter very sick. uh I was very harsh. I used to yell at her from the other room to get dressed. Um, At, I would say, around two or three, I expected her to have it on her own. And you know what's even worse is it's not that I just expected her to have have it on her own, is I needed help. And I needed her to have herself on her own. And that... Is not nurturing it's not nurturing and if I if I sound condescending it's not towards you as towards myself because I was the parent I this was me I'm talking to me and I don't want you guys to make the same mistakes I did as a mom because the last thing that I, if I can get you to see these focal points now while your children are six and seven years old and maybe start getting you to tweak a couple of things not because you're a horrible mom but because if you found this podcast you're a beautiful mom you're an exceptional mom and you're looking for answers on how to love your children better that makes you better all in its own because the best of any virtue is love. You could speak many languages. You could have 50 million degrees, but the one thing that will matter at the end of the day is your love, is how much compassion you have for your children, is how much understanding, how much, how vigilant you are to their needs. And so understanding the wavelength is so pivotal to the way that you treat your children as a whole. Because the way that you treat your children as a whole from within the first seven years of their lives is the way that they will be programmed. And it will be very hard. That's why the Bible says, that you must be renewed in the spirit of the mind because you train a child, you raise a child in the way that they should go and they will not depart. And when you raise a child the wrong way, and that is very aggressive, very primitive. And see, I was a single mom. And like a lot of us, you may, if you're listening to me and, you know, you, you've been following me a while. I think it's probably because maybe you're a single mom. And what I realized is that when you're stuck on surviving, you can never thrive because your brain is on the gamma and the beta um, wavelength. And there's no survival there because there's no peace there. There's a lot of anxiety there. There's a lot of overthinking there. So that, that, just means that anxiety and depression go hand in hand, right? Negative thinking as a whole goes hand in hand. And the only way that you can be a better mother is if you make sure that you're taking care of yourself, that you're making, sh- that you take care of their environment and you're not, um, stuck on survival. Because when you're stuck on survival and you're allowing other, ex- other factors, to get inside of your perfect um, mom bubble, then it will only cause your children to become hyperactive. Because a child cannot, they can't, they can't help. They can't help. They're incapable of helping. And what will happen is, Is that they will always fall short of this unrealistic expectation that we have for them. If we aren't setting realistic expectations. Raising the bar is not raising the bar on them. It's raising the bar on how patient we are. How loving we are. How nurturing we are. Right? If you... See that you're having an issue with your baby and they're seven, six years old and you ask them to wash their bodies. Then, and you see, you keep, you know, noticing that they're coming out and somehow they're still dookie in their butts. (laughs) I think that it's time for you as the nurturer that you've been robbed from being to go to your rightful place and be mom again. I understand that as a single mom, you've had to provide. And nothing is more heartbreaking than being on survival from the minute your child is born. Nothing is more heartbreaking than having to go back to work two weeks after your baby's born where there's no bonding time and that bonding time is so crucial for you it's not just crucial for them but it's crucial for you because they're not only bonding to you but then you're bonding to them in a way where they're going to need you to be bonded to them for when difficult times come you can be a little more patient because when you're not bonded to your child, the minute that, you know, they don't pick up the clothes off their off the floor, the minute that they leave a dish for you in the sink, here's a thought. Instead of thinking, oh, all this work that this child is putting on me, Instead of thinking that way, why don't we think, this is evidence that my child is alive. Them leaving their dirty dishes for me to love and clean after them. The chair not being pushed in. This is evidence that my child is still a baby. And they need me to remind them to go and push the chair in. If it takes a child an entire year to learn a grade curriculum, why don't we start looking at them like, I just started teaching them this a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. Yes, I will need to repeat myself because it's the only way that they're going to learn. Instead of thinking, why are you always making me repeat myself? Don't you listen? That's the meaning that's going to crush them. That's going to hurt their tiny hearts. And you know what my six-year-old, my six-year-old really used to put me in my place because she's the one who was so vocal. She was my verbal processor. She would just say, you know, mom, when you talk to me like that, you're breaking my heart. And oh, here come the waterworks. And she really, really would make me self-reflect. And I would say, my God, this child. And the thing is, is that her name is Ohana. And Ohana means, yes, it means family in uh, in Hawaiian. But, and I don't know if that's the name of the language. So please, I I apologize. Please forgive me. But, it also means gracious gift of God in Hebrew and that's the reason why I chose the name. And she's been just that and she'll and she'll really make me think about my actions and she'll really make me repent. She makes me repent all the time. As to where she'll say you know, mommy, when you talk to me so loud, it hurts my feelings. Or the other one is, you know, mommy, or it, it may not be me. Sometimes it may be a teacher or a daycare provider or one of her friends at school. And she'll just say, and that's the time that she said, um, they broke my heart. And I know that the heart is the imagination, right? Because Genesis eight twenty one says that um, a man is uh, the imagination of a man's heart is evil from his youth, and God said that in his heart. So, if the imagination is the heart, and we know the imagination to be in the mind, but then in Ephesians four twenty three it says that the spirit to be renewed in the spirit of the mind, (laughs) then the heart is the spirit. The heart is the imagination. The spirit is the imagination. And so for her to tell me, oh, it's breaking my heart, she's telling me I'm hurting her mind. And just based off of that alone, I started to really, really change because although i was a you know a psychology major uh, when she was first born it didn't it didn't really hit home until she was able to verbally process a lot of her emotions and she would just talk to me and this is so important to just allow our children to talk to us because the bible says that we enter into god's gates with into the gates of heaven specifically it says we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise so if we know God to be in the court cuz he's not at the gate he has angels to be at the gate no he is at in the courts so if we know God himself the father the creator to be In the court, then there's another scripture that says that he shall ordain praise out of the mouth of babes. So if we enter into his court with praise and praise is coming out of their mouths constantly, why don't we just let them talk? Why don't we just hear them out? Well, guys, that's all the time I have for today, guys. Over and out.